Hey guys, and welcome to the Atlas Podcast. Today I'm back with Claire. I had Claire on, I believe, episode four or five, and you guys really enjoyed it. If you didn't tune into that episode, Claire is my executive assistant on Team Atlas. She has tons of work for me. She's been with me for three years now. And uh, yeah, I decided to bring her back on because you guys really enjoyed Claire, everything yeah. she had to say. Yeah, we might, we definitely might do more together in the future because I feel like we have really good synergy and... So much fun. Yeah, tons of fun. So before we get into questions, I want to ask you, so you came to your first Olympia this year, right? This yeah. is the first Olympia you've been to, yes. right? Yes. And how long have you been like in the bodybuilding scene for? Because you used to compete at national, you used to be a figure athlete, right? And yes. you compete at like national level and stuff too. Actually, no, only original. Really? Yeah. I thought you did CBBF for... No, that was my plan, but life happened. All right, we're getting you on the pro stage soon. <laughs> I competed, my last show was in 2017, so a few years ago. And then the figure back then was the bikini of today. Yeah, but you have a lot of muscle though. <laughs> yeah, try to maintain... Good shape. Yeah, nice shape and good lifestyle. Yeah. So back to Olympia, right? So it was your first Olympia. How was your experience? How did you I loved it. For my first experience, I really loved it. But I'm excited to see uh, next year in Vegas. Yeah, I really like Vegas. This this was my favorite Orlando experience, I believe. Because every time the Olympia was in Orlando, I had a bad experience. I think just the people I was around and just the environment, it just made me hate Orlando. But this year changed that really changed that for me, and just being with Issa and like just really good group around me, and I really liked yeah. Orlando and the setup was a little bit better than previous years. But That's I really like Vegas her. last year was like, I feel like Vegas feels like I feel like it's a more a little bit more prestigious. Yes, but, yes, that's yeah. true. So you're gonna and come there every year, right? Yeah, yes, I'm gonna definitely coming next year, <laughs> and uh, with all the big news that they, well, the the, uh, the president that they said about the the hotel and the conference and where uh, the hosting pl- hotel. I'm really excited to see how it's going to be, how it's going to look. And I think it's the 60th anniversary of the Olympia. Yeah, I know. So it's going to be super special. But I liked it. Very surprised at the outcome of the winners. It was a... Uh, it's true. You've never been there in person to witness it. Yes. Like, yeah. So it's... The vibe is so different. Uh, the energy is and amazing. And seeing it online. Yeah. Definitely. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Going to be sitting in the gold next time. Will you? <laughs> you can get in? I've heard that when you buy the silver package, after that, they ask okay, to send so, you an email. So if you go and- well, Okay, so that's not, it, people, that's actually might be a good topic to discuss quickly. So you see there's like gold packages and silver. Gold used to be platinum. Okay. And then you could buy, you should be able to buy gold, but it's the same seating as the platinum was. Okay. And they don't sell that. It's called the Insider Members Club. Oh. And I think you have to buy this silver for 20 years or something. It's wow. not like a one-year thing. Okay, it's but like, that's what I heard. Yeah, yeah, but it's like they. <laughs> I've been buying this silver for nine years now, and I still haven't. But I have a friend who got grandfathered in from 20, okay. 30 years of buying Olympia. So he gives me the seats every year. Okay. And then that's why I sit in front of the head judge of yes. the Olympia, which is really cool. But unless you have the connection, you're not. they're not going to just give you the gold. Because wow. everyone's trying to get into the gold. I'm going to sitting in the silver. It was super fun. And if I chance to be in the gold. Yeah, I know. I'm actually going to try to, I'm going to try to get extra gold pieces here. If they do, then definitely I'll bring you in there. But yeah, because yeah, I asked them, can I have a couple more? But it's tough because everyone wants to get in there. Yeah, but you can't buy it. Like you bought, you pay it, but you can't buy it online. I mean, you have to. You buy it in a way because you've been purchasing the silver package yeah. for many years. And if you miss it for one year, they yeah. remove your spot. So that's why like my friend Salim, like. He's been going since the 90s, and he gave me two tickets and my friend Chris two tickets. Yeah. And we just take a spot every year. So that's, that's how cool. we get in. That's cool. Yeah, it's my a good experience. Yeah, nice friends for sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's cool to be right up front. You can see everyone. It's crazy. I could touch the head judge with my hand. Literally, that they're, I'm sitting one seat in front of them. Yeah. So right it's like I can them. see exactly what they see in the angle. I even turned around just to make sure. I'm like, can you see? Yeah, like that was like, I'm like scared they can't see over my freaking yeah. big head. So, yeah. Anyway, well, so hopefully you can get the gold soon, but I'll, yeah. I'm going to ask her. I have to email her anyway. So, that's so. all. But it's going to, it was amazing. Really, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I liked it. And I've been, I was in Orlando for a few days before, so I really be Vegas. And uh, yeah. She come to the Arnold too. Their production is pretty good. I feel like ever since the Olympia got sold to Jake Wood, their production is much better. Like, yeah. you used to be like in the Orleans and the Vegas, and it was pretty shit. Like, it was okay, but it was pretty, it wasn't like, now it's like a big production. Like, you see they spend millions and millions of dollars. And the numbers, I'm sure, like, they're making a killing because their numbers are, I don't know if you saw the line to get into the Olympia. It was literally a 10 to 15 minute walk <laughs> of just line. No. Like. I know, I was like, is this is the general mm. admission or it's the... Yeah. VIP line. Even the VIP line took me forever yeah. to get in. I have gold. Yeah. I was like, this is cr- it's crazy. But 
maybe it comes with Arnold, but if you're a competitor and you haven't been to Olympia, this is a really good motivator to see because it's, it's the Super Bowl of bodybuilding. You have to yeah. come see like what your goal is, right? Yeah, so, definitely. And eventually maybe you can actually be on that stage and then you can, you know. And the stage is amazing. It's the, unbelievable. Yeah, it was super, super I just nice. wish they would put like the prejudging like on the main stage instead of going to the expo because the expo yeah. was a pain in the ass. Like, even though I have gold, there's no like really reserved seating and no. I have to have someone go an hour before save me seats. Like you have to, you have to go through like a hundred people like in the crowd. The door oh, open like... and we, me and Alex, we literally run. Yeah, you're an animal though. <laughs> you're the go best. And have a seat. And Victor, I was like, did you get some seats? I'm still in yeah, the line. Yeah, you're the best. I mean, yeah, you're the seat. best. Oh, wow. But yeah, I just wish they would put on the main stage, but they literally can because it's rented and it's literally yeah. next door. But I think what they do, they want to bring people into the expo. Yeah. And that's a really good way to bring people in extra. For sure, for sure. It's just, it's a really pain, big pain in the ass, but yeah. All right, so let's get into a few questions. First question that we were asked was, my coach hasn't changed my diet for 17 weeks. Should they change coaches? What do you think? No. <laughs> it depends, right? Yeah, it, everything is thin. There's no black and white. It's always like this gray zone. First of all, did you have a conversation with your coach about What's his plan? I mean, uh, what's his or her plan? Uh, what's the goal? Are you maintaining? Are you supposed to lose weight? Are you supposed to gain muscle? You need to know, you need to have good communication with your coach to see, okay, what's the plan? Uh, if he's telling you, were well, you supposed to lose weight and you're not losing weight or you're not going to that goal to change coach? Well, if you try to communicate, if you communicate back or the plan coach, but there's so many things to do before say, okay, it's not, not, it doesn't work. Okay. I'm just going to go see another coach. And no, there's many action that you should take before having this decision. Yeah. So I, I completely agree with you. 72 weeks is a long time to have the yeah. same diet, but that depends. So I don't know if I've ever had someone on a diet for 72 weeks, the same diet, May, maybe, but pretty unlikely, but the only way that I would have that is if a client was making progress week to week with the same diet. Yeah. So yeah. some people want to change their diet every three days or a week. Or they're like, I haven't had this often, but they're like, hey, my diet's been the same for two weeks and I have a change or this and that. Like not even like, we have like a food swap calculator yeah, before we get into it. And I created because no one has this. I don't know why I had this. I don't well, know. I, I was looking for it and no, but no one really has a food swap calculator no, like we do. No one has this kind of program that we we're giving not only to our athletes, yeah. but it's on the website. They have charts. That's exactly what I was going to say. Paper charts. You have to do your own calculation. Mm -hmm. like so that. Hannah signed up to like Anita Herbert's workout thing in 2016. And I, I was on a computer or something and I saw it and I clicked on it and that's, I saw the charts. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is actually a pretty good idea. But I'm like, it's not practical. So I went to Excel and I started like punching in numbers and like, I've made a chart for like a hundred grams and a chart for 80 grams. And I realized we'd have to make 5,000 charts. And I was like, yeah, I messaged my sense. web developer and I was like, can we put this into a kind of like a, a web form where you could just insert two numbers and it gives you the calculation. He's like, yeah, but it's going to be tough. It actually wasn't that tough to do, Yeah, but it's been a huge help. And what it does, if you have, if you don't know about it yet, go on team Atlas, go under the services and press food swap calculator. And it's a free service. Anyone can use it. We don't have to be on team Atlas. And you can just input the foods that you're currently eating and the grams. There's uh, subcategories like um, lean protein, fattier protein, carbs, yeah. whatever. And then you insert your food that you're currently eating, the grams, and then it's going to give you the option for how many grams you can switch over to a new food. So anyways, I implemented that because people sometimes want to swap foods weekly and they want to change their meals. And this is a really good tool that they can use to yeah, be able to tired of this, to yeah. eat the same thing. Some people, they need change. Some people, they can eat the same thing. Yeah, every but that's day. fine. So, yeah. But some people, sometimes they're like, oh, my calories have been the same for three weeks. And I like go up or down. I'm just like, listen, we've made progress week to week. Yeah. You don't need to change what's not broken. Let's say you're, you weigh 130, right? And your stage weight needs to be like 120. I'm just saying. And you're losing like one pound a week consistently on a certain calorie range. So let's say like you're 1750 calories and your weight is 130 right now, and you're about, let's say, 12 weeks out, 14 weeks out, and you lose one pound a week, you're like 120, right? Which is pretty reasonable. And you're losing weight every week consistently. Your strength in the gym is up. You're not starving too much. Your performance is good. You can sleep. Why would you change? Everything's going smoothly, right? You don't need to yeah. do a big calorie drop. You don't need to do a big calorie increase. Keep it the same until something needs to be changed. Like that. Or you have a specific goal that you want to reach 
like very soon, like there's a photo shoot, you need to lose the weight super shortly or you want to change in category and you want to eating. So if you're making progress towards your goal on the same diet that you yeah. have, you don't need to change don't need it. To change it. Yeah. So <laughs> let's say this person was making progress for 17 weeks and the coach didn't change the diet for 17 weeks. Then the coach didn't make a mistake. But let's say that the client looks exactly the same from week one to week four and a coach didn't change their diet. Then maybe ask your coach, Hey, I feel the same. I look the same. I'm not really losing fat and not really getting muscle. What do you think? And they can give you an answer. Like, I feel like we're making a little bit of changes. I just strengthen. And if, if you come to an agreement where yeah. that you're actually progressing a little bit, then you can continue. But if you're not making any progress and your, your coach is keeping the diet the same for this extended 17 weeks, then yeah. that's just lazy coaching. But and so sometimes the athlete in when they look at their chicken, they're like, oh, I don't feel like I'm doing any progress. But when you take picture of you have 17 weeks, actually, you'll see a difference. Like yeah. You should see you a difference. You put the picture all together and you did some progress. Like you have more upper glutes. Made some your, progress. The waistline is uh, smaller and uh, vacuum is so much better. So sometimes that you can see, the coach can't see progress. But in the eyes of the athlete, sometimes they don't really notice progress. So yeah. But if you're comparing your picks from week one to week 17, you should, you should see some see change yourself. Obviously. There's a caveat though, like natural versus non-natural. Yeah. I had some athletes where it's like, they're... The difference between natural and non-natural athletes is unless they're a complete beginner, a natural athlete is going to be able to only really lose fat or gain muscle. So their progress is going to be a lot slower, right? Very incremental progress. An athlete that's taking performance enhancing drugs is going to experience muscle growth and fat loss at the same time, typically, right? Yeah. So you can gain muscle in a calorie deficit while you're taking PDs as a natural athlete, unless you're a complete beginner, not really. So. You're going to see a lot quicker progress as a, an athlete that's enhanced. So yeah. you can maintain, let's say you weigh 125, right? You can maintain 125 for 10 weeks as an enhanced athlete yeah. and look pretty so different, much, yeah. much, so much better. Different. And then as an athlete, if you're a natural and you weigh 125 and 10 weeks later, you can look pretty much identical. Your body yeah. composition is going to change a lot quicker, even at the same weight, if you're enhanced versus natural. So. You got to take that into account too when you're looking at your progress. Am I natural? If this person's not natural and they've looked the same after 17 weeks, then there's a problem. So, yeah. yeah. And all consideration that the athlete is following 100% the plan. She's not cheating. She's not doing anything. Yeah. Else. This is assuming that they're yeah. following the plan yeah. perfectly. But yeah, like I had an athlete, I'm not going to say who it is, obviously, but she was enhanced and um, we started. I can't tell the timeline because people are going to know who it is, but it's an amateur and we did like 12 week prep and she had never taken stuff before. Okay. And she started her weight at 122 and we took just a little bit of stuff. And then she was 122 on stage 12 weeks later. And the shape was, it's the first time she ever took PDs. Okay. And it's the, her shape was ridiculously different, much leaner, much bigger, much harder, much fuller at the same weight. But if the athlete was natural, she might've actually been on the stage at, let's say eight, to nine to 10 pounds lighter because just to get that condition in, and she wouldn't have really added any muscle. Well, mass. obviously, yeah, she would have lost muscle in the way. Yeah. During uh, exactly. So it makes a big difference. If you're making progress towards your goal, you don't need to change your diet. If your diet has been consistent for a long period of time and you've been plateaued for a while, then there's definitely going to be an issue and there should be some change in either training or diet or supplementation. Yeah, for sure. So. So if you be, feel that you're not aligning with your coach and you've been plateaued for a while and not changing your diet, then yes, I would say leave. Yeah. If they give you a good reason of why it's not been changed and it's credible and you understand the, the mindset behind it and their thought process and why they're doing things the way they are, then, then you would continue. Definitely. Agreed? Yeah, I agree. Okay, we're done. Podcast number seven. I'll talk to you guys soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Wow, that was quick. Yeah. So doing everything, but my body weight is plateaued, food bump needed, how to know. So I'll start with this one. I assume on this question. So what the person is asking me is that they've plateaued with their body weight. I assume their body fat too. They're not really losing any more fat. They're doing everything. What should they do? If you're plateaued and you're not losing body fat anymore, that means that you're not in a calorie deficit anymore. So what that means is you have to increase your expenditure of calories and reduce your calorie intake. What I like to do to get a client in a calorie deficit would be either to reduce food, to increase yeah. cardio intensity, or maybe supplement with some PDs. Those are the three main things you're going to do to increase your calorie expenditure. Yeah. 
and reduce but, your calorie intake as well. At the same time, it's a bit tricky because you don't want to reduce too much food. You don't want to increase the cardio too much. For example, sometimes we have new athletes and their body fat is too high for off season, mm -hmm. so we need to lower down their body fat. So, but you don't want to give them a, yeah. a thousand two hundred calories. You want so we have some clients that join. They're like weigh one hundred ninety pounds, yeah, and they got to be one twenty five on stage, yeah. So they got to lose like what sixty five pounds, yeah. And you're, I'm not gonna put them on a thousand calorie diet and that be like, let's just keep sense. this for fifty two weeks. Does that make sense? So sense. what I would typically do is. If they weigh 190 pounds, they're eating a lot of damn food yeah, and they're probably not so. moving that much. So if you give them with, let's say like hundred calories of cardio a day, which is probably like say 10, 15 minutes yeah. on stairs or whatever, or give them a diet of, let's say 15, 1600, 15, 1600 calories is low to a person with a fast metabolism, but you can live on 1500 calories yeah. even if you weigh 190 pounds yeah. and you're going to maybe be a little bit hungry. But when I lost 140 pounds, I went extreme. What I did was I didn't have a coach. I didn't have a guidance to do it, but I just, I did it myself. I was 21 years old. I was reading bodybuilding forums and stuff too, and whatever. I did actually natural. This was before I started bodybuilding. And I was on about 1,000 to 1,200 calories per day, every day. Okay. And I did two to three hours of cardio every single day. And I trained for an hour. Wow. For 18 months, I didn't have one cheat meal. And I was like 322 pounds. And I lived on 1,000 calories a day, but I had so much fat storage. My body's not going to just die. I have a lot you of have energy. stored energy in my body. So if I have a... A client, let's say it's 190 pounds, they typically don't complain if I put them on 14, 1500 calories because they're going to be able to lose weight at a pretty yeah. rapid pace. Even if they're eating 2000 calories before, and they're going to be satiated because they're going to likely be eating a lot more protein now that they're on yeah. like one of our plans versus before they're eating tons of junk, junk food and junk carbs food. and candies and shit like that. So increasing your protein intake is going to help them feel fuller. Yeah. And they're going to feel better yeah. too. They're going to have a lot more energy. The whole calories in, calories out thing, it's true for overall fat loss, but for your health markers, how you feel, it makes a huge difference. I asked one of these PhD guys online, this whole thing is he preaches calories in, calories out. And I asked him, are you telling me that all your blood markers, the way you feel, how you train in the gym, everything is going to be the same if you're just eating ice cream and butter for your carbs and your fat sources every day? Versus, let's say, rice and avocado. He's like, there's no specific studies that says, yeah, I, exactly. But you know with common sense that you're not going to feel the same based on the food that no. you're putting in your body, right? So it's not all calories in, calories out. Yes, at the end of the day, you might end up at the same body fat level, but your recovery is going to be a lot worse. Your digestion is going to be a lot worse. Like so many different factors that can make you feel differently and the food choices really make yeah. a big difference. That's why I don't really do the whole if it fits your macros thing. For the average person that doesn't understand nutrition, yeah, if the person understands nutrition, they're going to make healthy choices. On our yeah. food swap calculator, they're using whole foods, right? So they're going to feel good. If you give free reigns and you're like, here, have 100 grams of carbs and you're eating chocolate bars for all their meals. Donuts. Yes, they might lose fat at the same rate, but their body composition is not going to be the same. No. And that's what I tried to explain to him. And his whole thing was there's no studies on it. I'm like, yeah, but use your common sense. So either way, so the, the client's going to, going back to what we were talking about before with the client at 1,500 calories. Yeah, you don't want to put them on a thousand calories, right? Like I did. I was inexperienced. Yeah, that was the dedication for you. Yeah, I was set on it. And I was focused. And I yeah. wouldn't do that to a client of my own, but I had no experience. I had no coach. I had no knowledge, right? Besides of what I was reading online. And I just went off how I felt. And I felt like I was so glued to the progress and like looking better every week that I just stuck to it. And my mental fortitude was just unmatched. I was yeah. able to push it through, but I would never do that to a client now because I have a lot more experience, but either way, the yeah. clients could still be on, if they weigh 190, 200 pounds, they could still be on 1,400, 1,500 calories and feel good and still lose body fat. Yeah, yeah but yeah. we have some athletes, that's what we do. You reduce, you, you reduce their calorie, increase a bit of the cardio, and in the check-in, sometimes they say, I'm starting to be a little bit more hung hungry. I feel, I feel like it's coming, it's more present. And you explain to them, okay, I understand that you're feeling more hungry, but we're going to keep this space for a little while, for maybe another one or two other check-ins, see how your body is responding. And after that, we will reverse you. At a certain point where the body mm -hmm. fat is good, you want to reverse and increase the calorie and reduce the cardio. So Exactly. If no one stays on it, extreme calorie deficit forever, for, for right? Because your yeah. body would just It's going to shut down as well. So, you're going to likely be hungry while you're dieting down, right? Yeah. It's the fat loss phase. Your body's going to be signaling to your brain, hey, I'm hungry, eat food, yeah. right? This is not good because your body wants to survive. 
but you need to force yourself to feel a little bit hungry, mm-hmm. maybe go to bed hungry a little bit at night. And that's how your body's going to be losing body fat, right? Yeah. If you just give into your, all the feelings of your body and the signals that are telling you like, Hey, we got to eat. Hey, we got to eat every, you're not going to really lose fat because you're going to be satisfied all the time. And yeah. if you're satisfying your body's needs, as far as being hungry all the time, and you have a lot of weight to yeah. lose, you obviously haven't gauged very well. And you may be overdoing it a lot. If you're weight 200, 250 yeah. pounds as, as a female, really that hungry, maybe you mm-hmm. want to, you're hungry because you want to feel full all the time yeah, too. Or it's, it's related to an emotion. So you're not mm-hmm. really hungry. You're just heating because maybe it's a habit. Maybe you used to heat that. Kind this of is food. my mom. My, my mom, it sucks, man. I give her shit every day. And I'm like, <laughs> she lost like 80 pounds once. And I'm like, my job is I have the most like transformations. I have like n- almost 900 transformations now. I have like people losing all this weight. Like I can guide you. I can help you. I can make you a meal plan. I can make you training. I'll go to I'll do everything for you. And she just can't lose weight. Cause just snacks. And I'm like, I don't get it. And she's been this forever. And I'm just like, please. I'm <laughs> it's so funny. I told her, she loves to like spend, spend time with me. Obviously I'm her kid. Right. Yes. And she was like, Oh, let me come with you on vacation and these trips. I'm like, nah, I'm working in Canada. I'm like, listen, if you lose 60 pounds, 70 pounds, I'll go everyone with you in the world. I'll pay for the whole trip for you wow. for 10 days. And this is like her life goal. Wow. But I'm like, let's see how much you want it. And obviously she doesn't want it enough because she's not literally losing weight. <laughs> and I, the reason I'm up her ass all the time is because she's what, 55, right? She's very overweight. And the number one killer is heart disease. And she has all these problems. Like my back hurts. My ankles are swollen. If you lost all the extra weight, all the problems will go away. Yeah. Like magic. And you're going to a doctor. Oh, the doctor said I can't exercise. Like doctor want to give you a little. Uh, yeah. They want to give you meds when she tried those Zempic and she's she's uh, yeah. I don't want to take anything. That's fine. But then are you, I just literally, sh- I gave her shit like half an hour before you came. I was like, I just asked her, I said, Hey mom, if you want to take the um, semaglutide, can you start up again? Cause it's going to curb your hunger a lot. And she, oh no, I don't want to take anything. I said, well, how's your fat loss going? Cause if you can show me that you're losing the fat yeah. and you don't want to take anything, that's fine. But like. This is from my own, my mother. She's obviously not taking steroids, but semaglutide is a yeah. appetite suppressor. It's amazing. Anyways, we'll talk about it on another podcast, but yeah, back to the question. I don't even know where we are anymore. <laughs> so yeah, they're saying doing everything with my body weight is plateaued, food bump needed. So if you're actually doing everything mm-hmm. and you've plateaued, then it means you're not in enough of a calorie deficit yeah. if you still have body fat to lose. So let's say you're on 1500 calories. And you're doing your training perfectly, your cardio perfectly, your diet perfectly, no cheats, not even one gram here or there, and you're plateaued, you need to either increase your calorie expenditure or reduce your calorie intake. Yeah. And the ways you can do that is you can increase your cardio intensity or length. You can increase your training intensity or length, or you could reduce your food intake. And the fourth option would be to introduce some performance enhancing drugs because yeah. some could increase your heart rate or reduce or increase some hormones, which would help your body fat levels. Yeah. So there's four things that you can do to change that. So the first thing you would do is you would assess your cardio and your diet. Would I prefer to do more cardio or eat less food? Yeah. So let's say your cardio is only at 50 minutes and you're having 1500 calories. Well, you're like, you know what? Probably I could do half an hour cardio and keep my calories where I am. Much. So that's what you would do. So you would hmm. increase your cardio. And if you're still plateaued, then you would be like, let's assess again. Do I need to increase my cardio or I need to reduce my food? I mean- then at a certain point, you're going to have to drop food because you're not going to do three hours cardio a day. No. And that's how you, then you should eventually drop. Sometimes just by switching the type of your calorie, if you have calories from fat or calories from carbs, it's different, right? So that's actually a good point. Since I was just speaking about the, uh, if it fits your calorie, macros, yeah. there's definitely studies out there yeah. that they, where they've given a, a number of people, like the same calories and carbs and the same calories and fats and they lost body fat at the same time. Yeah. And typically that's what it should be. But in a bodybuilding sense, I feel that most people that have a hard time losing fat do better on lower fats. And that's just something that I've seen through practice and not necessarily just through theory, right? Because the theory and the studies are going to tell you that calorie expenditure is calorie expenditure, calorie intake is calorie intake, and it doesn't matter what you change. But I've seen that the clients that have thicker skin and maybe even the higher estrogen level and they have a hard time losing fat in their legs. If you actually reduce their fat intake, that's going to help them lose fat quicker than reducing their overall carb intake. Yeah. And let's say I have some clients that have extremely fast metabolisms, right? And we're getting close to the show. Let's say we're two weeks out and they're getting leaner and leaner. If you keep increasing their carbs, they're going to keep getting leaner. Yeah. 
what you have to do is you have to increase your fats because you have to try to keep reasonable food volume while increasing the calories to slow down their yeah. metabolism. So if I'm just shoveling rice and oatmeal down their, their throat all day long, they're going to be full. But if I'm incorporating like Ooh. oils and stuff like yeah. that and fattier meats, that's going to slow everything down. So I, I definitely feel that for ectomorphs, you can have a reasonable amount of fat in their diet and they're okay. still going to lose weight typically. Yeah. But someone's like an endomorph or someone that has a really hard time losing fat, I feel like a lower fat lower intake fat is going to help them. People don't know what the keto diet is. It's basically no carbs, very high fats, and very low protein, right? Because yeah. the protein actually converts to the glucose in the system, yeah. and then it's going to get you out of the ketosis. Yeah. So you can't really be low, low protein as a bodybuilder. People think that low carbs just means you're doing a keto diet. No. That's not, that's just a low carb diet. It's completely different. As far as the girl that say that she's plateauing and she didn't really, she's not really losing yeah. weight anymore. I would say that what we said before, increase her cardio, reduce her food intake or introduce PDs. Yeah. And this goes back to something where I'm, where I've said before, uh, not on the podcast, but just in general, let's just say in theory, right? A client's on 200 of cardio and they're on 850 calories, right? They're just eating protein, eating nothing, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying clients are doing this, but let's just say just for the sake of this, this example, if they're saying that they're flawless on everything and they're still not losing body fat, it doesn't make any sense. No, there's something very wrong. There's something wrong. Either they're miscalculating their food, they're eating food, they're snacking, they're not telling you, they're not doing their cardio, they're not doing certain things. Because in World War II, when in Germany, mm -hmm. when people were starving in concentration camps, there was not one fat person in that concentration camp. It's not like, there's the one over there that's just still 300 pounds. It doesn't work that way. Your body is going to burn fat if you're in an extreme calorie deficit. It doesn't yeah. really matter who you are. Unless you have some crazy disease I haven't heard about yet. You're going to lose fat if you're in an extreme calorie deficit. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's say that the person she's not like... Uh... She's have a regular diet, like a hundred, a thousand, five hundred calories. She's not losing body fat. Are you gonna, sometimes we have athletes asking you for a refeed to say, okay, maybe I need a refeed meal to see and my, to shock my body. What do you think about that? Yeah. So I would say that's could be, it's say like the training intensity is starting to take a hit. Your calories are getting pretty low and you're not really feeling like you're able to push yourself in a gym. You can either incorporate like a rest day or you could have a slight food bump. Don't do this by yourself. Don't just have, hey, I had three bananas today because I felt like I needed it. Talk to your coach and yeah. make a plan. But I've seen sometimes where athletes that say they're like at a really low calorie intake and they're at high cardio, giving them like a, a food bump, let's say just extra carbs, it's gonna help them break a plateau. Yeah. Not always. So this will be some this will be a tool that I'll utilize maybe at the end of prep if a client's really just plateaued and I know that they're flawless and everything. I've had them send me pictures of all their meals so I know that they're not cheating and I know that they're yeah. measuring everything perfectly. I'd be like, hey, have 100 grams of rice today times two or whatever. So yeah. I'll split in two meals and let's see how you look tomorrow. Let's see if your weight drops. And if the weight drops, maybe I'll do it like 300 grams yeah. of rice a day. And then we'll see. And then maybe it'll start getting the engine revving. It's small quantities. And yeah, just to see. Yeah, just to see. It's but, not like, go ahead, eat and 100 sushi. It's yeah, you don't just exactly. So yeah, food bump doesn't mean, hey, go have donuts. It has to be the same foods that you're typically eating that yeah. you know you could digest well and yeah. that you can gauge and that you can calculate properly, right? To emulate and that you can keep building on it. So let's say the example I just gave where it's, let's say a client is in a very big calorie deficit. They're at a plateau because their training intensity is taking a hit. Their sleep's taking a hit, right? I'll give them, let's say, 100 grams extra rice yeah. times two, or, which is 100 grams in each meal. And then if they lose weight the next day, I'll, I'll increase to maybe times three or times four, and we'll see until we hit a plateau again. Yeah. If a client is at a very low calorie base and you give them a food bump for one, two days in a row, and the weight's going up and up, it's telling you it's not, not working. working. You gotta put your foot right back on the pedal and you gotta push all the way through. Cause the food bumps could help, but you need to gauge and see how you feel. And if, if it's helping your progress or bringing you further away from your goal. Yeah. If you have two or three food bumps in a row, and you increase weight one day, two, three. Not, I'm sorry, that's not the right way. And you gotta yeah. put the pedal to the metal and you gotta push all the way through. You gotta go back yeah. on the low calorie to really push through it. I've never seen a client be 100% flawless on their diet, extremely low calorie intake, extremely high calorie expenditure through cardio, and then PDs perfectly, and they're not able to lose weight. The clients that don't lose the weight when they're in that like extreme calorie deficit on paper, which is I see that they're on like yeah. very low calories and they're very high in cardio and they're not losing weight. It's because they're cheating. Yeah, that's something. 99.9% .9 of the time. Yeah. 
And it's sad to say, but it's sometimes I'll, I always end up finding out. I, I always have a suspicion, yeah. but I'll find out. I'll like, talk to my phone, like, listen, did you have anything extra? Did you, like, did you, or, and if they're like, no, I'm perfect, I'm perfect. Then I'll have them send me pictures of all their meals. Yeah. And then if it's still perfect, I'll, if it's, if they're like 15 pounds over a stage weight and they're in extreme calorie deficit and they're still not losing weight and they're eating only protein, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And it's wrong. not the, it's, it's not that their calorie intake is too low or they're, yeah. no, it's they're cheating on their diet and having extra yeah. food. That's well, what it well, is. We have to say that you're considering that they're sleeping well and their cortisol is technically a Yeah, but good still, range, I but... think even if, let's say their sleep is pretty shit, not good. Their training intensity sucks. Yeah, true. Their cardio intensity sucks, but they're getting it done. Yeah. And they're eating all their food and they're not cheating. They're still going to lose weight. They will. No, but they will. Like, in obviously, it's not optimal, but in that situation is the client's going to be cheating on their diet. Yeah. And that's why they're not going to be losing weight. Yeah. And it's always the same clients that kind of do that thing too. Like, yeah. like it's like there's some clients that just, like, they've been trying to compete for two years and they just, they can't lose any weight because they're cheating on their diet every time. Yeah. You know what I'm I talking know, about? Yeah. 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 There's some, they just, I want to compete. I want to compete. Okay. We do a diet. Okay. How long do you follow it for? I follow it for three days and I just ate till I was. Snack here and there. You can't, there's no snacking. The, the, there's no, you're done my snacking. My kids lunch and yeah, yeah, took yeah. a bite of something. Yeah. And if you have a hard time losing body fat as it is, if you're snacking and going for a diet, you're never going to get lean. There's well, some, yeah, it, it's possible, but you need no, to really no. work on your mindset. If, no, but really if, you're, if you're still cheating, okay, no, 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 yeah, yeah. No. If you can't, like, there's some clients that have a very like thick skin in their lower bodies and they have a very hard time losing fat. And if you're snacking here and there, they're never going to get lean ever because every extra calorie that they take in is going to hinder their progress. And the clients that have very thick skin and they're high estrogen and yeah. even if they're on anti-estrogen too and if they're not perfect on their diet and they're training on their cardio 100% they're never going to get stage lean it's gonna be it's gonna yeah some just need to be very, like very man you gotta be you have to be 100% I mean do you want to compete is for example like your mother do you want to go I'm gonna ask my mom travel? hey mom do you want to compete <laughs> so no, call her? do you want to travel is it worth it your let, let me call my mom we're gonna have a guest we're gonna have a guest appearance <laughs> elaboration I've never had my mom not answer oh. one of my phone calls. So just to simplify this whole segment yeah. where the question was, I'm doing everything, but my body weight plateaued, food bump needed, how to know, right? If you're actually doing everything and you're flawless on your diet and your calorie intake is very low and your calorie expenditure is very high and you're still not losing weight, you might need a little bit of a food bump. And that doesn't mean go out to have cheat meal and sushi and donuts. That means Maybe add 100 to 300 yeah. grams of rice in one day. See how your body looks the next day if you've lost weight. Yeah. If you've lost weight, you can do it again. Repeat the same process again. See how your body looks the next day. If your body is adding water weight on, your scale weight is increasing after your slight food bump, 100, 200 grams of, of rice, you're going to have to go pedal to the metal. You're going to have to go back on a really restricted, low-calorie diet to push through the plateau. Because your body's your telling you that what you're, the food you're giving me it's not getting closer to your goal. It's getting further yeah. away from your goal. And so always talk about it with your coach to see if it's a, a good way. You have to talk to your coach and communicate with your coach and make it a, a yeah. plan together. Yeah, a client just like recently joined and they want to do like a prep soon. And while well, they're basically like in prep for losing body fat. Yeah. And I read, we have one of our questions, the questionnaire was, have you followed your diet flawlessly? Yes, but I added 400 grams of sweet potato on this day and I added banana after my workouts every day. I'm like, no, follow the diet I gave you so that yeah. I can gauge our progress. When people start adding random things in and start doing more cardio or change PDs around or yeah. increase their food, I, I don't know what's going on anymore. I need to know everything that's going on yeah, and then adjust cannot, accordingly. I'm not going to guess. You cannot monitor their progress properly because you don't know what's working. Because I don't know they, exactly they're adding, what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. They're adding stuff or not doing things. So you cannot adjust the their meal plan or their workout protocol because you don't know. Yeah, if they're adding foods here and then they're reducing cardio there and they're changing this PD there, like yeah. I'm like, listen, I, I don't know what's going on. Follow the structure and the plan that I'm I've given you. Yeah. And then I can make adjustments according to yeah. the result of the plan that I gave you. Yeah. You don't want to start changing things because then the coach doesn't know what's going on. Exactly. And the coach needs to know what's going on. That's yeah. good. Next question is, when should you stop your competition season? Let's say you're doing a few shows. When do you know to take a break, stop yeah. going to offices, and then start up again later on? There's a couple of things you need to consider when 
you're at the end of your competition season and deciding if you should push for more yeah. or if you should pull back and say, listen, I'm done. Uh, let's go into off season. The first thing is your goal. So let's say you want to turn pro or you want to qualify at the Olympia. Yeah. Let's start with the pro card. Let's say you did a show in June and you missed your pro card or your body's reacting well. You didn't rebound after your show. Yeah. And you still have a decent calorie intake. You're not starving too much and you're maintaining your body fat level. And there's another pro qualifier in two weeks. Yeah. And yeah. You, let's say you're one spot away from turning, turning pro. Then it, it would be reasonable to go ahead and do the next show. To continue. Yeah. And let's say you're in the same thing and then you miss it again. There's another show in three weeks and you want to do it again. You're like, ah, I'm so close. And then be reasonable. But let's say that you, you did your first show, you rebounded for, so you ate your feelings, you gained 25 pounds and now your metabolism is shot, right? You tried to like crash diet and lose the weight because you didn't check it to your coach and it's just, there's a disaster happening. Yeah. You should probably stop going to off season because you yeah. did too much damage. If you're trying to crash diet, your rebound weight off. Yeah. You're in a very bad situation and you can't just continue doing shows for the rest of the year. You need to listen. You need to accept that you made a mistake Yeah. and get back on the plan with your coach and stay count accountable to your coach yeah. so you can get the weight back down and not completely screw up your hormones or metabolism. Don't try to be like, oh, I'm going to crash diet this 18 pounds off and do a show in three weeks. No, it's never going to work. It's never going to work. And you're going to dig yourself into a deeper hole. Yeah. Some, I don't do this on my team, but some teams, they like to put athletes in like 20 shows to qualify Olympia per year. And that's fine if the athlete can afford it and their body's responding. And I've seen it actually work and the athlete actually ends up qualifying for the Olympia. Yeah. But at what expense? The athlete's going to look garbage on Olympia stage because they did 20 shows that year. The athlete's, the athlete's only going to be last call out. And then most of them don't even compete the next year because they're just burned out. They're like, yeah. I don't want to do this again. Or they retire. They I've seen that a lot. Fed up with the sport. They have this bad experience. They've been competing for so many times. Their body is so tired that they, they don't want it. I don't even know after 20 shows, do you still feel like you want to step on the stage? Or you're just the Olympia? Or you're, I mean, not the Olympia. I mean, you, you did like 20 shows. Well, look shows. at Ashley. She competes every weekend and she wants to still compete. But she's like an anomaly, right? Yeah. She's like the only one. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. For me, if I was doing like 20 shows, the last show I'll be like, just want to get out yeah. of there. But I feel that it would be, if it would be worth it if you accomplish your goal of qualifying to Olympia. And, yeah. that's, and that's just your goal to put yeah. Olympia beginning athlete in your bio. Yeah. And you didn't screw up your body, then I understand. Yeah. But I don't really, with the point system, now that they removed it, it's going to see less people doing that. Like this year, there was a lot less people doing it than the year before because okay. you have to actually win a show. Yeah. And the point system really enabled athletes to be able to do 15, 20 shows and benefit from that. Because if you're like a mediocre bikini athlete and you're always like coming maybe fifth, sixth place here and there, you can maybe get an Olympia qualifying for points when I have to actually win a show. Okay. And if you're placing fifth and sixth every show, I mean, you're probably not going to win a show because yeah. you're not good enough yet. So another way that you can tell that if you should continue competing or you should take a break is if you're, you know, first of all, you're placing on how close you are towards your goal. Yeah. And how you look. If you have to gain 10 pounds more of muscle, why would you keep doing shows and it doesn't make any sense? No. Take do your show, take the offseason and improve for the next time. Yeah. If you did a pro qualify and you place like eighth place and your coach is like, you need to grow your delts, you need to grow your glutes, you need yeah. to shrink your waist, you need to do all these things. Why would you just keep, you know, running your body into the ground when you need to make big improvements? Yeah. If you're really close to your goal and say you're one spot away from your pro card and you have enough muscle and you're able to maintain your conditioning they maybe push till the next show in two, three, four weeks. But if you meet, if you didn't place very well and you need to make big improvements, yeah. don't run yourself into the ground. There's no point. Sometimes it's, they have, there, there are some very easy correction that we could do. For example, her placing is good, but she could improve because her front pose, her posing mm -hmm. was not that good. You can improve the posing in a few weeks. Yeah, there's things you can fix you, you in can a short fix, period like, of time. Yeah. yeah, so it's easy. Or you're here, your presentations, things that could be better. This is easy, it's easy to get done comparing to again 10 pounds or have more upper glutes and stuff like that. Yeah, so it depends on how much progress you need to make to actually achieve yeah. your goal and how close you are to your goal based on your placing at your previous yeah. show, yeah. right? And then always obviously your budget. Yeah. Those are the key factors to determine whether you should be competing or not or push your season longer or take yeah. a step back. But for us, often when, especially during the summer when we have all the shows, Often with, with the athlete, what you do is you ask them if they're, if they, if they're able financially also to do like shows and okay, there's this show in two weeks. So you want to do it also. So if did, you're pretty sure they will get their pro car, but if they don't get it, okay, we, we can do this show. But after that, that's the plan. And after that, we're going to do this show. So you tell them in advance, that's what we're going to do. Are you okay with it? And then say, yeah. 
when I'm planning a client's competition season, I have to be very strategic so that they're able to get the most out of their prep. Let's say the client's goal is to just do a regional show and they want to do one show. Then you can do it at any time of the year. Yeah. It's not going to make a difference. But let's say the client's, hey, I want to turn pro and I need to qualify first. So let's say in the States, there's a few pro qualifiers that you can compete in. Let's say we're going to go with the open category first. There's one in May, then there's one in June. And then yeah. there's the one in June is the junior nationals and then there's universe the first week of July. And then there is USA's at the end of July. And then there's North Americans at the beginning of September. So yeah. there's four in a short period of time for open for masters. There's universe masters, nationals and North Americans in like a six, seven week period. So what I'll typically do, depending on their age group, because there's different age groups for each yeah. show, let's say they're 35 years old, they can do all three. Typically, so they can do universe, they can do masters national, they can do North American. So I start them off with universe. So I'll make them do a regional show, let's say at the start of June, see where their body's at. And if I think they're good enough to potentially get their pro card, yeah. then I'll put them in universe. If they miss that by two, one, two, three spots, then I'll say, hey, maybe we can do masters nationals, which is three weeks later. And then if they miss that by one or two spots, hey, maybe we could do North American three weeks later. And it's like a gauntlet, but let's say you're spacing out shows four to five months apart. I'm never going to put an athlete in a show in February or March if they're trying to qualify for a pro qualifier that's going to be in June. There's a very short window where there's pro qualifiers in the States. Mm -hmm. And the best window is between like June to the start of September. So why am I going to make an athlete do a show in February, go into a five week off season and then do a pro qualifier in June? You're, you're going to be fluctuating weight up and down. You need to be strategic that the client is able to maintain their body fat for as short of a period of time as they need to until they go into an off season. You want as long as possible of an off season and as short as possible of a prep to achieve your goal. And that's how you're gonna maximize results over a long period of time. And that's how proper show planning is done by a coach. And in Canada, there's one pro qualifier for natural athletes that's the first week of August, right? And then there's natural shows all the way leading up to that show. Yeah. There's a natural show one or two weeks before the, the pro qualifier, which I can put athletes in to qualify to the, the show in the first week of August. And then there's shows in March that are also natural shows that qualify you there too. Why would I put an athlete in the show in March when they're going to have to die for an extra four or five months to get to the pro qualifier? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. So I even tell promoters, I'm like, listen, your show plan and the strategy of where you're placing your show compared to the pro qualifier doesn't make any sense. And I have promoters reach out to me like, hey, if I put on this day, would it be better? I'm like, yeah, it makes a lot more sense for the athletes because you typically want to compete one to two weeks apart, maybe three. If you start getting into the like five to six weeks between shows range, you're, you're going to burn out and you're going to be wasting a lot of time. Yeah. And Especially five like, months. That's ridiculous. Well, even five months. It's not if you're going to improve again, muscle a lot. In five yeah. You don't want these little short spurts of no. off season because it's just, you're on PDs for too long and then you're, you have to maintain a low body fat level for yeah. too long. You don't want to be doing that. You want to just hit one after another yeah. until your body gives out or you realize you need to make changes to your physique to be able to improve. But if you're super close, hit a couple shows and then you can improve. You want as long as an off season yeah. as possible. Financially, you're able to do it. If physically you still have the, the energy Another uh, and you're closer to your goal. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Good. And it covers that. So one more question. Yeah. Actually two more questions. It's very simple. Next question. Average glute slash waist measurement, body fat percentage for bikini athletes. Very simple answer. There's no specific measurements that you need to be on stage. There's no specific weight. There's no specific anything besides the look, right? The judges are not going to weigh you as a bikini athlete. They're not gonna take your measurements. It does not matter. Every athlete has different proportions, has different measurements, has different weights for their heights. Uh, at one of the Olympias that I did with Laura Lee, yeah. I believe it was in 2020 or 2021 was one of those years. She was about 130 pounds and she was about five, seven and a half to five, eight. Right. And I had yeah. an athlete, Taryn, that did the show as well. She was five, six. So she was about 1.5 to two inches shorter than Laura Lee, but she weighed six pounds heavier than Laura Lee. And that girl won the overall at the amateur Olympia. Okay. So the girl was six pounds heavier, two inches shorter than Laura Lee, and her body fat was perfect for the stage. So yeah. your coach will know where your range is of where your weight should be for a, for a stage once they do one show with you. So you have a good gauge, right? Let's say you're on stage at perfect conditioning at 136 and you're doing a show in two more months. You're not going to be at 130 and you're not going to be at 140. You're going to be right around 136, 135, 137, around that yeah, range. Yes. And if you're too lean, then you'll probably be a couple pounds heavier, but your coach is not going to know your actual, they'll have a range, maybe a five to eight pound range of where you should be at. 
but they won't know for sure until they actually Hopefully do see, until they actually do a competition with you. But as far as your measurements of where your waist and your shoulder, that doesn't don't even bother doing that. It's a waste of time. I've never checked that in my life, and the other top coaches don't check that either because it's useless, completely useless. You just look <clears> at on picture or in person. I mean, all the X frame, the general look. If they ask yeah. too much, sometimes you, you do it this too much. The upper body is too wide compared yeah. to the. But you're not. I'm not like going to East and be like, oh, your shoulder span is 42 no. inches versus your waist. We need to reduce your shoulder span no. by by one inch. It's rid ridiculous. No, there's no mathematics here. Yeah, you, it's irrelevant. Even and as far as body fat levels. There's so many different ways to check your body fat level and 99% of them are bullshit. The best way is literally the calipers, but I don't do that anymore. You don't need to because it's going off the look once again. The judges are not checking your calipers to see what your body fat level is. Yeah. And there's so many different ways to measure it. So go off the look. There's some girls that can be staged in at 9% versus like 11 versus 12. It depends on the look, right? So let's say like Jennifer Dory's body fat versus let's say like an Ashley Key on the stage. Ashley Key is lower than Jen, right? Body fat percentage guaranteed. Yeah. But Jen achieves her best look at a certain body fat level and Ashley does too. So you can't gauge, I need to be at this body fat, at this body weight with this measurements. It's not that way. It's not that way. So it's just the way you look. So we have one more question. What was the last question? Okay. So last question is, um, what about what's the online coaching and versus in person? And also how do you see it also with the peak week? Okay. Back in the bodybuilding days in the 80s and 90s and stuff too, you would have to, Jay Cutler and them would drive, well, Jay Cutler's not in the 90s, but you, they would drive down to see their coach four or five hours, see them for a day, then leave. And then we have so much technology, good camera phones, iPhones. The coach can really see a lot of detail through yeah. the pictures and messaging back and forth. And all of my Olympians I've coached online, all of my pros, except for maybe one or two of the start, I've coached online. And online coaching is where it's at right now. That's what everyone's doing. Yeah. Is it beneficial to have an athlete live with you all the time and see them every single day? I would say yes. Yeah. Is it realistic? Not really. So trying to find a local coach that's very good at your category is probably not going to happen. There's only two or three of us in the world that are good at, let's say, like really good at bikini. And then same with bodybuilding. There's only a few really good ones. So you're much better off getting an online coach that has a lot of expertise in your category than a local coach that can see you every day that doesn't have a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. You're going to get a lot more out of the online coach that has, that's made a lot of pros. That's made a lot of Olympians versus your local trainer at the gym that could pinch your body fat and bring you into a show. You're going to look much worse with the, the in-person coaching. Yeah. As far as peaking, it's definitely a lot easier in person for peaking, right? And there's a specific reason for that. Athletes don't know how to find good lighting. They don't. When they're home, they can figure it out. But man, when athletes travel, they're like, they don't have to take pictures and this and the lighting with the hotel room and they bring the ring light, but it's not. So yeah. in person, I know exactly where to place the athlete in front of which lighting. I always have a light on me backstage. I know where to see their physique exactly for what it looks like when I'm there. And when, and I can ask them, Hey, I need to see you right now. I'll see them. But let's say they're getting their makeup done over there, their phone, this connecting backstage. There's all, all sometimes it's a lot more complicated, the communication yeah. back and forth. So I would say peaking in person is definitely much easier. I nail it 98% of the time and online, I would say I nail it about 90% of the time, maybe a little bit more. A little bit more I think. And also the benefits of being in person at the show is you get to see all the mistakes the athlete does on stage. Yes. And then you can tell them, Hey, turn your hips this way. Hey, bring your shoulder back. That's also a big benefit that I really like. That's why I travel 40 weekends a year to every yeah, that's what I possible show that I can, because the athlete gets a lot more out of it. I get a lot more out of it, but I feel like the coaching online is just as efficient and effective as coaching in person. But I do feel that peaking an athlete in person is much easier than doing it online, even though online we've made, I made what, like 84 pros now or something. And I something think like that. completely online, including peak is probably at least 60 or maybe 55 around there. So it's definitely possible, but I do prefer peaking in person if possible and being at the show because yes. I'm going to be able to see if the athlete makes mistakes. Yeah. Just this year, I think you did all the, the big shows. They're going to have a lot of four cards and we have a lot of athletes. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're traveling and you're there like three, four days before the show. You ask the athlete to be there at least two to three days before the show so that you can pick them in That's person. actually a good point. So let me mention that too. So I travel like 40 weekends a year. I do this because it's beneficial for the athletes, beneficial for my business. And yeah. The athlete's going to get like a better it? experience. I, I enjoy it too. It's fun. But let's say I come to universe, right? I'll, uh, 
let, let's say the show is on Saturday and I come, I'm there on Thursday, right? I want to yes. see you Thursday night and then Friday morning, Friday throughout the day, Friday night, and then Saturday morning. That's going to be a very effective peak. If you're coming in on Friday night and the show is on Saturday, this I could help you really on show day, but I'm not going to be able to probably, I'm still going to probably peak you in at 98%. I'm going to have a lot more data if I can actually see you fasted one day before yeah, in person. If, Shana, if the, the athlete was there like early before, a few yeah. days before. So please, if I come to your show, please at least come two days out, <laughs> at least let's say the Thursday night. Yeah. I, it's very important. The most important thing is seeing the athlete fasted one day out when I'm at a show. Because then I can be like, okay, they're a little bit too lean. Okay, they're a little bit flat. Okay, we need to be yeah. tighter. And then I can make the adjustment going into the next day and I know how they're going to typically look mm -hmm. on show day. But it's pretty useless if they come in one day out at 8 p.m. I'm like, yeah. okay, I'll see you the morning of the show fasted, but it would have been much better if I, For sure. you know, if I make, well, yeah. Even the athlete, like for example, that we have, obviously the competition that we have here in Montreal or mm -hmm. Ontario, we have athletes in Montreal and in Ontario, you still coach them online during their, oh, yeah. their, their season. Sometimes they come here, you do a check-in or they come see you at Monster Gym and they, they do it in person, check-in, but most of the time- 95% is online. Even if they're local, online. it's online. I'm... Exactly. But you're going to see them again, like for the peak week, the, uh, one week before the show, you ask them to come here or you meet them somewhere exactly. and you do the check-in. I've been doing online coaching for eight years now and I'm very good at utilizing the te technology that we have and the videos yes. and the pictures, assuming that the client understands how to properly like their, yes. their posing area and send proper pictures with proper angles. I can- be very accurate with online coaching. Yes. So if they don't use filter on their picture, oh, don't <laughs> or edit their pictures. But anyways, yeah. I appreciate Claire. We'll bring you back in in a couple of weeks and we'll yeah. get to another podcast. So yeah. thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. I really appreciate you guys leaving comments in the YouTube channel. I'm trying to grow this YouTube channel and bring yes. out more content to you. So if you can do that for me, I would appreciate it. Subscribe, share, and uh, yeah, I'll see you guys around. Have a good one. Bye.